Want to have safe kinky sex? Make sure you make your way over to AdamEve.com. Adam and Eve has over 12 million satisfied customers worldwide. Everything from the newest vibrators to classic movies. When you're on AdamEve.com, make sure to enter in the promo code HUSH50. That's H-U-S-H-5-0 to get 50% off almost any one item and free shipping. Do I need to say that again? Free shipping. Make sure you have your kinky safe sex needs satisfied by visiting AdamEve.com. Welcome to Hush, the podcast guaranteed to give you a load of fun. And with that being said, let's slide into the episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Volume 56 of Hush. My name is Kim, and I have my co-host with me. Chris. And we're here to bring you the shit you love to hear. Again, thank you so much for joining us. We have Lola Davina on the show. And just to give you a background, Lola Davina has spent more than 25 years in and around the sex industry, working as a stripper, dominatrix, porn actress, and an escort over a 15-year period. She's earned an MA in human sexuality and an MS in nonprofit fundraising and writes a self-care and wellness column for whynotcam.com. Thank you so much for joining us today, Lola Davina. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Kim. And you can just you can just call me Lola. It's okay. totally fine. You know, I don't I don't need the full title. <laughs> I feel like a drag queen. <laughs> Thank you so much. And one of the rites of passage that we have in our podcast is we like to get into how you lost your virginity. Can you give us your V-card story? Oh, my God. So, well, I, I always, I, so there's always this beautiful question, actually. I love it. I love the notion of which virginity and what does it mean to actually, uh, so I identify as probably, I'm probably pretty close to pansexual, um, been lesbian identified a lot of my life and, and been bi identified a lot of my life but I, listening understanding what the term of, of pansexual is I, that's probably a closer definition and I always think of the time when I lost my virginity the first time that I had sex with a, my my girlfriend I was I was 15 years old Cassandra Jory oh my god she was just so hot she's just oh she was blonde with these brown eyes to this day I'm just I'm completely undone by um uh, blonde hair, brown eyes. Um, we were we were in high school together. Um, she had already been sexual before. I, I you know she. I just thought she was so gorgeous. She was so out of my league, and she was this person who had already had some sexual experience. So she just seemed so worldly to me. But she invited me over one night to you know for a sleepover in her house. I went over. I mean, never even having the slightest inclination or thought that she would want to be sexual with me and that night when we turned in we went to bed and she rolled over and started kissing me and it all went downhill from there it was just um so for me it was i i i was really kind of blown away by it right it wasn't i wasn't actively seeking it out um mm-hmm. which was a different story when actually when i decided that i wanted to have sex with a ma- uh, with a with a, a, a masculine a male person of you know, ended up being a boy of my own age but um where i was like oh no this is going to happen tonight 
we're gonna fuck like plan like somehow the, the shift going from like i like being this little innocent little lamb having no idea that anybody would even want to be sexual with me and like everything's sort of happening to me but by the time a, a year later rolled around and i decided it was time to try dick i was like oh no okay this is going to happen on my schedule this is going to happen this way so um so lose it i've those are two different ways that I've lost my virginity, and they couldn't have been more different, I think, in terms of uh, knowing what I was doing and uh, being in charge of what happened. At that point, were you more comfortable with the female or with the male? I, I was very um, lesbian-identified most of my life. Um, being with a guy was just kind of like getting that over with a little bit. It was like, I didn't want that hanging over my head, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it... it um, I had girlfriends, you know, was mostly lesbian identified, really up until, um, I mean, I still am more attracted to women than I am to men, even though I'm married to a man now. So, um, yeah, I was, I was always more attracted to women. Um, men were, men were just kind of like this, this blobs that kind of moved around and made noise and stuff. But I was like, okay, I'm aware that you have a dick and maybe I should try that out. Um, (laughs) We wanted to, to jump punch, just to punch that card, just to punch that ticket, <laughs> just, to, just, just to get you, it over with. Yeah, just to say you did it. <laughs> yeah, just say it, say get it over with, and then call it done. <laughs> and how did you get introduced to the sex work so young? Mm. Well, I, well, so young. I was twenty-one. I had graduated twenty-one. I had ju- I was just about to turn twenty-two. So I graduated from college when I was twenty-one. I moved. I was uh, went to university. Uh, UC Santa Cruz, um, and then moved to San Francisco, and I had it in my head. I come from a very, very radical feminist university at that time. UC Santa Cruz was really one of the the hotbeds of of radical feminism. Um, a lot of a lot of like femi- uh, uh, lesbian separatism. That was a big concept then that like women should just stay away from men altogether they should create their own space mm-hmm. should create their own world um i mean to a level that i think would seem kind of ridiculous now but um so i i i was seeing sex work through this very sex negative uh, very kind of radical feminist critique but there was still this part of my brain that was kind of like you know yeah, I get that this is bad. I get this is patriarchy. I get this, you know, this is like putting women in these little boxes and stuff like that. But I still think I want to go be a stripper. Um, so it, I really saw it as sort of um, as a kind of an independent study. I uh, Believe it or not, I gave myself the task of getting hired at a strip club and I was going to work for 200 hours. I actually like created this grid where it looked like with like you know boxes and I was going to check off the number of boxes like cross off the 200 hours and at the end of the 200 hours I was going to quit because I thought 200 hours was going to give me like some kind of notion of what the sex industry was I was, it was kind of like this independent study into the into 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 sex work um so it was mostly curiosity that drove me out to be perfectly honest the first time and uh yeah then it was just kind of I somebody smarter than me once said that stripping is a gateway drug it, it led me to, to doing all different kinds of other things working in a dungeon and making porn and eventually ending up as an escort how was your first time stripping were you nervous i was thrilled oh shit it, it was <laughs> like a dream come true i was 22 years okay so you're telling little 22 year old lola that all you have to do right now is take off all your clothes 
you get to pick a song that you like. You get to dance around naked around a gorgeous... By the way, I should just say, I was doing a peep show. This was a peep show situation, which those are gone now, but there would be a a strip, you know, like a a dance uh, floor with poles and all kinds of stuff, and there'd be windows uh, all the way around, and and people could come in and put in quarters, and the window would go up, and they would get to see the show. So this was no contact stripping. It was full nudity, and there would sometimes be girl-on-girl shows and things like that, but there was no contact with the customers. And and I I got hired, I I, I think I got hired at 12 dollars an hour and again i think minimum wage rate then was around five dollars an hour so i thought i was making more money than i could ever possibly spend i was like you're paying me to be around naked women all day and all i have to do is dance this is a fucking dream job i could (laughs) i could not believe it i spent the entire time actually working at that job thinking every day i was going to be fired because i could not believe how lucky i was i could not believe how lucky i was I was loved there, that job. Was there like an adrenaline rush to that? I've always been curious how uh, it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, there was. I mean, and uh, it was fantastic to get to be sexual in that way. It was, I mean, again, like as a, a very lesbian identified person, I was around all of these gorgeous women. And um, there, there was, I mean, you know, this would, this would be uh, 30 years ago. So there was still, I would say, the, the kind of the, the look of a lot of the women working at that at, at, that uh, peep show. Um, it was San Francisco, so they were more radical than, than you know, certainly like what you'd see in Playboy. Like, there were women who didn't shave their legs. There were women who didn't shave their armpits. There were women with tattoos. There were women with piercings and things like that. And all different body shapes, just all, just getting to see women and women being sexual, right? Dancing and, like, grinding on each other, kissing each other, flirting with each other. Even, you know, even if it was just for show, even if it was just for fun, I was like, oh, my God, I had died and gone to heaven. <laughs> we love strippers, by the way. I know. Yeah, I, mean, I, I do, too. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I, I will just say, I mean, I know that this is not the same experience. I, I actually went on and did other kinds of stripping, and those were very different when you're actually interacting with, with customers and, and, and touching. And but So I, I, I couldn't have lucked out more uh, with, this, with this very specific um, entryway to, to sex work. How were your family's and friends' reactions to you joining uh, the uh-huh. sex industry? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm estranged from my family completely. So whether or not my family ever knew that I did sex work, I don't know. I don't talk to them now, and I, I've never talked to about it with them. Um, in terms of friends, um, I had a handful of people in my life from before I started sex work, but since I started so young, most people that I've met in my life as an adult already knew I would yeah yeah it's mm-hmm. like it, yeah and, and it's not like a, every single person I ever meet you know uh knows that I'm a sex worker for sure but the people who are in my life the people that I'm close to um I lost a couple of people coming out as a sex worker um an old boyfriend of mine as soon as he found out that I was escorting he he never spoke to me again um, I had a couple. I've had a, cu- a couple of other strange reactions, but the, f- the simple fact is, is that um, I've either met most, the vast majority of my close friends through sex work, or the people that I know who who know me otherwise. That it's just part of who I am. Is that they know that's who they they know me that way. So it's. I think it's just kind of integrated into into who I am and and, and people knowing me that way. 
What are your favorite parts of the sex industry or being a sex worker? <laughs> sex workers are just awesome. I mean, and, and again, I don't, I don't love everybody equally. I mean, I mm-hmm. certainly know people who I think are massive turds and things like that, and I don't get along with everyone. But oh my god, I just think sex workers are wonderful, and I think there's just a, you know, people who are in touch with their sexuality, people who want to be sexual with other people, um, who think differently, who are creative, um, who are sensual. Um, and we just are smart. Man, I just know so many fucking smart sex workers. It's so great. So um, I'm often asked, like, what would you, t- what would you tell a, a, a young sex worker? What's the, you know, what would be your advice to some, you know, somebody who's just getting started? And I would say, you're, you're going to meet, you're going to make friends that I'm hoping you, you will keep for life. I, you're going to meet people in the sex industry you're going to want to keep in your life. Mm-hmm. I like that. It sounds like a real close-knit community and like i say chris and i being outsiders to it but have an interest in it gives us a lot of insight into how it is to be a sex worker Uh, my next question that i was going to ask you is what is your least favorite part about being a sex worker or working in the sex industry yeah well okay i mean just to be clear for your listeners i haven't i've been out of it for 15 years now um the reason why i'm still talking on this subject is because of the book that I wrote, you know, I I spent a lot of time talking about um, self-care for sex workers. Um, The thing that I like least about the sex industry is how dangerous it is. Um, Mm. And it makes me angry that that it is that way. Um, I don't understand exactly why people who give other people orgasms for a living um, should be in danger for their lives or be in danger of being thrown out of their homes or be in danger... Um, for STDs or getting beaten up or getting robbed um, or getting blackmailed. I don't get it. Um, I don't understand it. The, 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 the comedian George Carlin, the late, the late comedian, uh, once said, of all the things um, that someone should be punished for, giving another person an orgasm shouldn't be one of them. Um, there, there's there's such a heavy penalty for still even even now for being in the sex industry people losing custody of their children um it's what i i do i no one has explained to me why that should possibly be why there should be the level of danger in doing this work now it's perfectly fine if someone doesn't approve of sex work. I, you may not want to look at porn, or you may not want to ever hire a stripper or a or a you know an escort. You might not ever want to engage in phone sex. That's fine. But I don't understand why society is set up in such a way that the people who do that work need to be watching out for their very lives. Why this should be? Why this should be? you know hazardous work i don't understand that and that is something that i like least about it you touched on stds was that ever a fear when you were an active sex worker Uh, how did you i guess um protect yourself against that yeah thank you for asking that that's been really up for me in my memory right now uh because i did start i became an escort in 1992 that was still that was like the peak of the AIDS crisis, uh, mm-hmm. the, the cocktail hadn't happened yet. It was, 
And by that time, there was some knowledge of, of like how people contracted HIV, which um, I'm, I'm guessing I'm guessing the two of you are considerably younger than I am. There was a whole there was there are five or six years when we didn't even know for sure how how HIV was transmitted. So it made it. Um, you know, even more fearful, and there was a lot of misinformation about it. Even even when there was good science around it, people for many years still held on to ideas like, you, like if, if a person died from AIDS in a house, like the house would lose value because the fear was that the house could, was somehow still infected, and, and like just like nonsense bullshit like that. But that was just very much the fear that people had. I had sex with strangers in the middle of that. Um, and it was terrifying in San Francisco, by the way, too. Um, so one of the, one of the true epicenters of the disease, um, even though it was not as prevalent, obviously, in the straight community as it was in the in the gay uh, gay male community. Um, the one thing I will say about uh, that time was it focused the fucking mind. People really, uh, you know, people practice safe sex. You could demand that people would respect it. Um, now, I mean, not for everyone. I mean, there are obviously some people who were in circumstances where they, they couldn't enforce that, but um, I was I was fortunate enough to be able to do that. Um, I was very, very careful, and I would get tested every six months, and every six months it would just be like a nauseating experience because the fear was so high. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I was and I was very fortunate. I never contracted any STDs while I worked, um, but... It was definitely the peak of when that when that was possible, and when it, that was still when if you were diagnosed with with um, HIV, that was a death sentence. You were you were going to die from AIDS, you know, maybe not right away, but you will you that that's how you were going to die. It was terrifying. I've been thinking about that a lot in terms of what we're dealing with right now and the, and the similarities and the, and the differences between that time and and what we're facing right now. And that's actually what I wanted to touch on too. I was actually going to transition uh-huh. to that. Um, yes. There's a lot of fear right now with the coronavirus. How do you feel that is going to affect the sex industry? Yeah, hugely. Um, and I can name at least three big ways that have already happened. Three three big cha- shifts that are already well underway, well in progress. Um, the first is anybody who has the 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 privilege, the bandwidth, the the opportunity to shift from in-person, in, you know, uh, in real life uh, sex work to online, they've done it. So anybody who's escorting, anybody, all the pro-doms, anybody who's stripping, um, there's been a huge influx of sex workers who have done other different kinds of work moving to online. So this huge... So that there's a shift with you know, from, from one job title in the sex industry to another. Now there's going to be as, as there always will be in the sex industry, there's a group of people who are left behind with that. Um, folks who maybe don't have access to the internet, maybe don't have, um, you know, language skills, uh, whatever the situation is, there are still going to be people who are going to be doing, um, in-person sex work. Um, but they will be taking a bigger risk. There's no, there's no doubt about that. So that's the first trend. The second trend is, um, because so many, people <laughs> so supply has okay so, so supply has shifted right so mm-hmm. so like so you know uh uh context sex work way down um online sex work way up then demand has shifted so you have you know millions and millions of people now are stuck at home 
um, maybe they don't have the personal freedom, maybe to, to see sex workers or engage with sex workers that they don't have, that they did before. Maybe they don't have the money to do it. Um, so demand has shifted, and demand, from what I understand, is for the most part down. Um, there's just going to be a lot of pent up demand, I'm sure, by the time this is all said and done. Um, then the third thing is, and this is from what we saw during the Great Recession, so from you know 10 or 12 years ago, is just that as people lose their their jobs, as unemployment goes up, people who were not engaged in sex work before turn to sex work as work of last resort. So there's going to be an uh, and, I'm, and you're already seeing that too. People who have lost their jobs, who are getting online and try and trying camming or phone sex or making videos or whatever it is. So wild, wild, wild distortions in both supply and demand in a very, very short period of time, and that is disruptive. That is very, very painful for a lot of people. I can see that. Oh, this is going to just leave a huge impact on the sex industry. Yes. Um, yes. And if you if you if you'd indulge me though, this is this is something that I've been thinking about and especially since we were talking about the AIDS crisis before. You know, I'm 52 years old. Um and in my lifetime, it, 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 let, me, let me let me if you had told me when I first started in sex work in my early 20s that H, the HIV, well first of all that we would even come up with with a with a the cocktail that the that, the disease seemed so intractable and so unsolvable for so many years. It was really the thought that AIDS was going to be with us for a hundred years, or or two hundred. That AIDS was going to be with us for, for for multiple lifetimes. The fact that AIDS was essentially conquered in a in a generation is still it's still shocking to me. I have to say, I still I still kind of can't believe it. But if you were to tell me too, back when I was twenty one or twenty two years old, that there would be red ribbon you know, HIV awareness ribbons on like yo play cups. Okay. Back when I was 21 years old, I would have thought you were out of your freaking mind because the stigma around HIV was so powerful. HIV meant that you were doing something that you should, you were, you know, shooting up intravenous drugs or, you know, engage in sex that, you know, that was considered very taboo. Um, and now AIDS and you know, AIDS walks and you know HIV causes and things like that have been completely normalized. It's like it's acknowledged as this as this disease that we, we, we still need to fight, but there's no there's no ghettoization of it, right? There's no sense of like oh that's that's that thing that you know people over there you know worry about, but you know nice people don't worry about that. Um, and that normalization that I've seen in my lifetime around such a dreaded disease, I do wonder if one of the weird silver linings that could, might end up being possible out of this whole COVID epidemic is just that as so many people, again, are pushed into the sex work, that is just going to normalize it and, and make it, well, just it's going to increase the understanding that sex work is a job that people get into when they're out of work, period, end of story. I mean, as it's always been. And so I, I it's been, I have been wondering about that. Um, if it's some, if, 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 in, the, in this moment, of course, it's very, very difficult for the sex industry. I don't mean to diminish that at all, but I do wonder if it's going to help in the long arc towards becoming more normalized. This this moment in time. Mm -hmm. I see that. 
I didn't think about that before, but I, I get what you're trying to say. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just, I mean, we don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll you know, this will be the moment we'll look back on 20 or 30 years from now, and we'll see what kind of consciousness comes out of this, you know, whether it's universal income, whether it's, whether it's, um, you know, single-payer health care, whether it's, you know, or, I don't know, some kind of radical libertarianism where, <laughs> I don't know, where <laughs> everybody just runs around and infects themselves, and then they just stay home, and I don't know, I, I don't know what we're going to see. I don't know how people's consciousness are going to change. I, I think, I think this is a pretty big um, rupture, though. This is a big crisis. I think people's minds are going to be changed. Yes, I believe that, too. I think the lifestyle is going to be different, uh, how we approach, um, life basically after quarantine uh i think the fear and the uncertainty definitely plays a big part in it as well you know and and like you say we don't know what's going to happen and i guess you know time will tell yeah 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 for sure to go ahead and switch it up a little bit um we wanted to go ahead and talk to you about what are your current projects do you have any at the moment oh yeah well sure i just I just finished. <laughs> it feels like it feels like a thousand years ago. Uh, last month, I finished uh, my latest book. I finished a manuscript for um, the follow-up book to Thriving in Sex Work, and it's called Sex Work and Money, um, which I felt like was a really important topic. Obviously, before all this happened, um, to talk about the emotional life of money earned from sex work. You know, sex is a very emotional topic. You you know. Kim, I know you, you were mentioning it your own background. I mean, that, that there's, there's, there's a lot of secrets, there's a lot of silence around yes. money mm-hmm. and sexuality, both. And uh, when you kind of add those two things together, I think that's a, that can be a very intoxicating, um, unsettling mix. I've, so I felt like sex workers need kind of special guidance and, and, and insight into, into managing their money. Um, so there's, there's an emotional component to the book, which is talking about, you know, how sex work money can be different than other money that we earn. Um, and also um, just some, some basic personal finance, financial literacy stuff, just so that anybody who's got any kind of questions or concerns on how to manage their money, how to do that. So that, yeah, that book I just finished writing. I'm hoping, fingers crossed, to have it out um, September 1st this year. That's the plan. We'll see. See, see how this ep- uh, epidemic plays along with that i don't know (laughs) well we're wishing you the best on that like i said i downloaded your first book i'm still in the middle of reading that it's really interesting so far because like i told you i'm a complete outsider but uh based on the background as i explained to you my background i really like to keep an open mind and i'm just really intrigued and and i have like a natural curiosity to get to learn more about others and sex work basically has, has been captivating my interest just sexuality in general because it's something i could not talk about as a child or oh. even a, as a growing woman like you had you had your period you couldn't really like your family would know about it but it wasn't really something spoken my mom was a little different because she was a teen mom so she openly talked to me but with my grandmother um or grandmothers actually on both sides that was just you know generational you you couldn't mention anything like that and you know now it's i'm all about embracing sexuality sex positive platforms are what i'm about with this podcast and i want to get through the rest of your book just to let you know and i'm currently in the middle of that i really like what i'm reading so far 
and uh, I'm wishing you the best of luck with the second book. Hopefully all this coronavirus stuff does die down so you can get that out there. I think that'll be a great read. Thank you. Yeah, well, I was talking to a friend of mine about this, and I was like, is this the worst time to release a book on sex work and money, or is it the best time? I mean, there's no... I. Maybe there's no right. Maybe there's no right time. I mean, maybe it just. Maybe it's just like like, like say always having a baby. Is it when is the right time to have a child? It's just like it's the best good time, bad time. You just you just got to take that leap of faith. So yes, we're all about that. You mentioned that you're married. Did your past affect your marriage at all at any point? Well, no. I married a client, so he. That's how he and I fell in love, um, which was really kind of beautiful because. That we knew, you know, we kind of knew where the other person was coming from. There was never any like question about that. Um, so no, um, he's really sweet. He's actually very supportive. Um, his line is, he always says, um, he says, I know that I'm going to be remembered in life as Mr. Davina. <laughs> I was like, that's very <laughs> sweet. So no, he's very, very, he's very supportive. And um, I mean, when he was a client, I think he, he, I mean, to use a big word, he he loved the client, the the sex workers he saw. He he had a deep, thought, you know, affection and caring for for the people who do this work, and so he's glad to see me doing what I can to help support this community. Um, did you continue uh, being a sex worker while you were married, or did that come to an end at that point? Uh, I had I was out of it by the time he and I got married. Um, okay. Yeah, I, and I had been partnered before with a woman, and uh, during part of the time that she and I were together, I, I was I worked as a sex worker, and then I took some time off, and then I went back to it. So I have been partnered while doing sex work, but not with my not with my husband, but with with my other my former my wife my my wife my ex wife. And just reading up on a little bit on your bio, twenty five years of being in the sex industry—that's impressive. What? Well, well, in or I—it's I, actually—it's actually now almost thirty. But when I say when I say that, in or around. So I, I was—I started off when I was twenty two years old. I worked for about three and a half years. I took about seven years off. I got back into it for about four years, and then kind of got away from it for a little while. And then I've been. Like my master's degree, I was studying sex work, and and I've you know now been very involved in the sex work community. So so I'm kind of I would say I'm in and around. So I don't want to okay. I don't want to um, mischaracterize how much how long I actually did the work itself. But I've been involved in the community for a long time. What makes you passionate about it? I what makes me passionate about it is is that I think that sex work is a very important service. Just like you're talking about, like growing up and having, again, like secrets and silence and and not being able to talk about things. The fact is, is is that very few of us are going to be lucky enough to have the exact right sex partner or sex partners that we want through our whole lives. Our lives are very long, and you know, it's obviously it's perfectly fine for people to go out and and get on Tinder or meet people at bars or meet people in at church or, or, you know, hook up or, you know, have sex for all the reasons they have sex without money being involved. Obviously, that's, that's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But many people for many different reasons either don't have the time or they don't have the looks, they don't have the social graces, whatever it is, they, they, they need 
access to sex, and money is the easiest, simplest, cleanest, most ethical way for them to get it. And um, I wish we could just, as a culture, grow the fuck up around that and just say, look, you know, I might not ever want to do X with my husband, but I want to look at this porn and think about this sex that I'm never going to have. You know, and so why can't I have that porn? You know, why can't I look at that image? What's wrong with that? You know, um, you know so, you know, two people might be married and one person is sick and, and they, you know, it's not available to the other person sexually. Should they get divorced? You know, should that person have an emotional affair? Like, why can't that person just go out and get some touch and connection and still be very married to another? I mean, I, I, this, this seems to me so obvious. Um, so, yeah, that's what makes me... I mean, and also, I just, I love the creativity and, and spunk and fire of the sex work community, so I, that keeps me really engaged. But the, there is just this long-standing belief that sex, sex work is important work, and it should be valued, not devalued. Agreed. Agreed, yep, same here. Thank you again for for coming out with us. One, one other question I wanted to ask you before sure. we begin to... Uh, close the interview have people actually come up to you and told you thank you um for the advice you've given in your book i i have occasionally been approached in real life yes um which is always weird because i don't feel famous at all <laughs> i don't feel like a famous person even a little bit i get i get thanked online a lot and and, and to be i mean just just again the nature of the beast sex workers don't convene that often in, in person. So a lot of the connection, a lot of, of community is online. And I do, I receive all, on almost a daily basis. I, 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 it's, it's very gratifying to hear how this book has, has helped people. Uh, but yes, you, to answer your original question, yes, I have had people, I've never, I've never been like walking down the street and had like a, like a total stranger recognize me, but I've been at events and things and have people come up to me. And again, it's always just kind of weird. Like, I'm not famous <laughs> at all. <laughs> That's really awesome. And we wanted to go ahead and end it with how can people reach you? Oh, sure. Well, um, you can uh, certainly see, find my website, which is just like my name, Lola Divina, L-O-L-A. D-A-V-I-N-A dot com. You can learn all about me there. You can learn about my books. Um, and then uh, I, I have a pretty active Twitter presence. Um, so that's Lola. I think that's under slash Davina. Uh, you can find me tearing it up over on, on Twitter pretty much every day. So, um, yeah, those are the... And, oh, and let me just say one other thing. I also read chapters of my book aloud. So uh, I have, a, like, a sample sample chapters and people can listen for free over on soundcloud so if you go to soundcloud and search for lola divina you'll see a, you can listen to um chapters of the audiobook um from uh from my book and that's kind of a different if, you, if you're a podcast person and you like listening then that's a different way you can find me all right very awesome we want to thank you again for coming on to volume 56 of hush with us and for taking this time during quarantine and the uncertainty just to talk to us about sex work being a sex worker the sex industry everything we really appreciate it oh it's such a pleasure to both of you and thank you for what you're doing again thanks for the opportunity thank you have a great day yeah you too bye-bye guys bye, -bye. bye. 
Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to the Hush Podcast. Make sure to find us on Podbean, Red Dragons Radio, Google Play Music, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, thehushpodcast.com, our Facebook, our Instagram, and our Twitter page.